0: Yo, what up? Back, episode three. Uh, or one, We'll look at it. <laughs> oh, yeah, or episode one. <laughs> uh, we got a new title, uh, What the Hell Do We Know, which we'll talk about. Figured, uh, you know, we switch it up, take a uh, humble approach, I guess. So much stuff to talk about, um, just trying to figure out, you know, so much to learn. Um, starting a new tradition every podcast. We got to have a drink. Life is hard. Things can get challenging. You need something to take the edge off, some, some, something safe um, in an enclosed environment, no driving. So what, tell me, what you sipping on right now?
1: Well, where I'm at, it's still like 930 in the morning. So I'm slipping, sipping on a Zevia, which if you don't know about Zevia, you're going to laugh. But it's replaced soda for me. No sugar, no artificial flavors. Still got a little bit of caffeine in there. But apparently it's supposed to be really, really good for you. Use stevia leaf extract, so I'm sipping on some Zevia.
0: Zevia. What kind? I know there's different kinds.
1: Yeah, I just got the cola combined. I've tried all different. I do like Dr. Zevia. We have some ginger ale Zevia downstairs, but I mainly just sip on the cola.
0: I got a, uh, um, man, what is this? Some Svetica vodka with <laughs> some Zevia cream soda. <laughs> you got zevia too yeah in a yeah. uh in an old mayonnaise age jar I had no idea you were
1: drinking zevia that's awesome. I like them I like the caffeine free ones there you go with some with some middle
0: shelf vodka there way to go a sip man uh so what so we want to talk about the title change, man what are your thoughts? I uh, know yeah. and forth about different things you know I'm sure somebody might be offended, somebody might yeah. not like it, but uh yeah. what do you think? I think, you know, when I think about a title, I think, I think
1: about what's my heart trying to say. And, you know, the old title, it's time to listen, it's time to speak. I think, you know, that, that, I think that's so true. That's so where my heart's at. But you and I talked about wanting to change the title and we came up with what the hell do we know? And of course we were worried about the word "hell," and, you know, would that be offensive to people? But we decided, you know what, we're all grown ups. Hell to me is not a cuss word. And I think we can get beyond what the hell do we know? And it really represents, as you said, this idea of like, what the hell do we know? Like for me, Shane, I'm not trying to prove anybody wrong, nor am I trying to be right. Now, I will tell you my spiritual director, shout out to JR Mann. He's helped me move into that over the last two or three years because my previous life, I was definitely trying to prove people wrong and be right. But even more so I'm at the greatest point ever today where I'm not trying to prove anybody wrong. I'm not looking to be right. And the main reason is because I don't think any of us are right. 100% about, of the time about anything. I think we if we listen to each other and we seek to understand one another for me, I'm, a, I'm an incredibly pro life guy, but I've been on a journey the last year trying to understand pro choice people. Because when I see a lot of people who I know who are pro choice they're wonderful people in a lot of ways but i don't understand this disconnect between our belief about abortion but coming to listen and understand with them i don't agree with them but i've been able to have more empathy for them grow from their perspective to be more balanced of a person and love them better and for me that's what it's all about at the end of the day like it's it's all about love and i think if i start there and i end there I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, you know, in a in a good
0: in a good place. Um I don't know. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the title. What about you? Um I don't remember. I, I kind of just I think it just popped in popped in our head. I don't know who who if it was me or you who thought of it, but it just kinda uh I think it just popped in my head. Um I think I was talking to someone else about something, you know, them writing a book and they were like, man, what the hell do I know? I was like, oh, that'd be be something clever. I like that. Um, Yeah.
1: You definitely came up with it. I think you texted me to it, but I fell in love with it right when you texted me.
0: I texted like 20 different titles. And you were like, nope, nope, nope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and to me, it spoke to so much of who I am. Like, I've already talked about the love part, but like... I don't want to ever forget, like, you know, I make a lot of mistakes. I think about my father and I'm always helping my children understand when they get upset, when they get up in trouble, like, Hey, we make mistakes. It's not about making mistakes. It's about getting back up. Like if, if we're in church, we're going to say we're, we're sinful. If we're in the world, we might say, Hey, we're all broken. There's a, there's a song my son loves talking about like, Hey, we're, we're just broken people. And it's just a regular, you know, radio song. Um, you know, I don't know everything. I, I've not read everything um, you know, our conversations, even on this podcast, they're going to be incomplete in some way. Um, we're trying to read and understand and have more perspective and you're from a different walk of life than I am. And we're going to talk about that today. But personally, you know, like I'm politically independent on the left. I'm really pro immigration pro the environment, but on the right, I'm conservatively fiscal. I'm pro life. You know what I mean? Like for me, the whole system should be blown up. I think Democrats and Republicans are equally uh, rigged and uh, what would you call it, Uh, you know, like money and power and control just fuel the system and they're equally chaotic and full of conspiracy. And, um, you know, I I just I I see the same problems in both. And I think they have it right in some ways and wrong in some ways. And for me, I'm really trying to live a thing like too often I find myself where my politics outweigh my faith where I get angry about what someone believes rather than loving the person in front of me. And I see in our culture and I see this in me too, and I'm working on it, but like policies matter more than how we treat people. Law, you would say law matters more than love. And I don't want to live that. I want love to matter so much more than law to me.
0: Mm, Gotcha. I know we talked about, um, like even doing a podcast, like, creating some type of context, like, you know, what, like feeling the need to almost sometimes say like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I believe. Just so someone listening, you know, me, they, it's so easy to get the wrong idea or put a label on someone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what, what, why do you feel like the need to, you know, create a context for who you are?
1: Yeah, I feel like it is. I struggle with it. There's always a need to ask to add an asterisk and say, hey, remember this part. And I do. I think context is important. I think many people have been hurt and hurt by a Bible that was set up to preach love. Many people have been hurt by that same Bible because it's been taken out of context. And so I think context is important. I think we would also benefit if we gave people the benefit of the doubt. If we led with listening If we led with seeking to understand, um, you know, like I was listening to a shout out to a great podcast called No Stupid Questions, but I was listening to a podcast on anger yesterday. And they're like, hey, if you want to begin to control your anger, understand the gist of what someone is saying before you get angry at them. And I thought, man, there's context, like they're talking about context, understand what they're saying. So I'm I'm 50, 50 with it. Like, I think it's so important for me personally, I've gotten off social media because I just see more negative than positive in my life. And a lot of that relates to me interpreting things out of context and others interpreting me out of context. And that's why I love a conversation like this on a podcast where we can at least add a little bit of context. At the same time, I hope people would Advance in their willingness to listen and understand people who don't see the way they see. I don't know what 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 thoughts does that bring up in your mind.
0: Um. Yeah, I think it's always, an, you know, even if it's a, a podcast and you know five people listen or five thousand or five million people listen, you know, you don't want to be perceived a certain way just based off of something you say one time or. A thought you may have on Tuesday, but it may change by Friday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But someone only heard you on Tuesday. <laughs> um, but you know, context is key, and I want to. And I think that's why this conversation has taken so long to be addressed when it comes to race, racism, um, because people don't understand the context into um, to how it evolved. So I want to. I want to play you something that I heard on the Skip and Shannon show undisputed. Um, Let me play it for you and then I'll get your thoughts.
1: At a Dallas area event with local officials, Mark Cuban said that white people must have uncomfortable conversations about race. Cuban said from experience, the instinct when discussing race as a white person is to get defensive, but that must change to see progress made. So
0: Shannon, do you find it difficult to discuss race with white people? I do because Skip, if you talk, if you talk all the way real about America and try to have an open and honest dialogue conversation with white America, yep. then it would go to the fact it would tear down the very foundation, the very fabric in which they said America was built on. America was not built on freedom. America was built on racism, and the back. Oh. ooh. Skipping and going at it. See, right there again, it's
1: a it's a phrase. I love the idea of freedom. And we often equate that to American ideal, that you know, that American was America was built on this idea of freedom. And I think there is more freedom in our country than a lot of countries I've been to. But this is where it gets difficult, Shane, because you're right. Like, how was capitalism built? You know, how was our economy built? Through a lot of free labor, which we would, which what I'm saying is slave labor. I mean, it's a reality. It's a reality, I believe. I, I struggle. I, I get sad when we begin to, to negotiate these things or debate these things, because to me, they're history. They've happened. You can't really say they didn't happen.
0: Right, 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 right. I think um, even, you know, Mark Cuban saying people get defensive and angry. I mean, that's always been my experience. You know, if you try to talk to, you know, the majority of white people, you know, who who identify as white when it comes to race, I think you get defensive when you don't have a context. Mm. It's not when you're not, you don't really understand where this person is coming from. So on the surface, if you feel attacked... You know, like your natural inclination, no matter what it is, is to get defensive. Um,
1: I like that phrase. Let's run with that one phrase you said. We get defensive when we don't have context. Yeah, like I'm so with you. When we don't understand where the other person's coming from and they say something that feels attackish, quote unquote, towards us, you know, they say, hey, you really got to, you know, realize you've got white privilege. All of a sudden we're like, no, I don't. You know, like I'm not better than you and, I, and I'm with you. Like I've done a lot of research on this and like I don't want this podcast to attack people. I don't want it to condemn or demean anybody. But I, I'll be honest, I, my, my heart's been sad, Shane, because I've seen a lot out there of, of, of just not a willing, it seems like an unwillingness to understand the context that others have lived in and grown up in. And and from that place, as I've sought to do that, it's been so much easier to understand, like my white privilege. And again, I'm not talking economic privilege. I'm not talking male privilege, white privilege. The fact that I have benefited from the color of my skin, and you have, you know, negative things have happened to you because of the color of your skin.
0: Well, or I why guess I like, feel like some some people you may talk to, like you know who may get defensive, like, what is that? Like, what do you think people are defending or afraid to, um, or what do you think people are just not open to?
1: I mean, I think there's a lot floating around. I've I've seen a number of videos by white people and black people that say white privilege doesn't exist. Um, When I saw the video, I, I felt like they were more saying, you're not better than me because you're white. And I'm like, oh, 100%, I'm with you, 100%. That's not my definition of white privilege. My definition of white privilege is because of the color of my negative things haven't happened to me because of the color of my skin. And I think that, you know, it's like, maybe they feel attacked. Maybe they feel like they need to say like, there's people are saying, Hey, you were racist. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like personally, like when someone says you have to realize your white privilege, Ryan, I don't think they're calling me a racist. I don't think they're saying I've done racist things. I think they're saying just realize the context that you've grown up in. And I feel like sometimes that gets misinterpreted. You know, I've seen a lot of videos out there of like people coming and saying sorry for their white privilege. I, I don't know, I don't, I, I think there's, I understand where they're coming from. And at the same- Would you ever with, say, do you feel
0: like you need to say sorry or apologize? Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. I'd love to discuss this with you. I There's a part of me that like, I want to say sorry, That happened to you. Sorry, we live in a world where that's a reality. Sorry that history created that. I have been, I have really tried my whole life to be someone who didn't live that way. I could say, sorry, I didn't realize that this was benefiting me. But now that I've realized it, there's not a huge burden on me, like personally, to make like a personal apology. I feel like there's more of a burden on me to make a personal awareness statement.
0: I know, does that make any sense? Yeah, I don't know if like I would like if, you know, I know there's a lot of gender inequality and if someone say, oh, well, you're a man, you get certain privileges. I don't I can't see myself apologizing for being um something I may have been born into. Um, although if I'm leading with a context of, hey, I'm aware of this and I know I need to respond based off that awareness. And that someone, a female in my circle or in, in the job may feel some type of, um, just may feel some type of disrespect or may have, you know, may feel less than just because of that. I feel like I need to be aware of that. Like it is my, part of my responsibility to make sure that person understands that this environment is equal or or that they, they don't have to prove themselves here or something, but yeah, I can't really see myself apologizing I, I don't know like what I do see where someone can feel sorry, um, but you I don't know if you can apologize for being white
1: well, and I think of two things: first, to me at least, maybe i'm doing this wrong i've only been married thirteen years, so it's not i 've not been married forever, but a little bit of time, but like to me. There's a different apology I give to my wife when I consciously do something versus unconsciously do something. If I lose my temper and yell at her, oh my God, I'm like, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I did it. If she comes to me and says, hey, the way you spoke to me in that situation made me feel bad, there's a little bit different of like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that you felt bad, and that I caused that. I did not intend to do that. Let me make sure I move forward differently. But do you see how that's a little bit different of an apology? I know. Does that make any sense? It does. I think with,
0: if Stacey, a black person, and I'm in that situation, you know, the the gap is how do you tell a white person, or if you're in a group of white people, hey, what you're doing is a is offensive or, you know, it's causing me to feel certain feelings. I don't, I don't like to feel.
1: And I wonder, you know, I feel like I see it in me. And so I think it's also part of our culture uh, because I see it in society also. Like we struggle to admit wrongdoing. I see this in my kids. Like, you know, if kids do something wrong, they go and hide, you know, and then as they grow up and they learn to cover things up or lie because, and they're not like, they don't, they're not choosing, like, I want to lie. What they're really doing is saying, I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. I don't want to be at fault. And so I wonder a little bit on this is, you know, do some people feel like admitting white privilege or admitting that they that systemic racism, and systematic racism play a major part in our society? Is that, you know, do they maybe feel like they, they're, that doing so is admitting that they've been racist? you know or that they're part of a racist system and maybe that's why they're reacting the way they are like again trying to seek understanding i'm like hmm maybe that maybe that's why i don't know i'd have to talk to some people who feel that way feel that way more for me i just i don't know when when the whole when this whole racial awakening started i just my heart just sunk and i'm like man i am so sorry that people who look like me have made you feel this way and i want to be someone who who helps change the way you're treated by this society. And again, I feel like that polo- that apology to you or to anyone of color is different than me saying, Hey, I'm sorry. I was racist to you.
0: You know? Yeah. Let me ask you, I want to get more into context, Okay. Um, you know, based, you know, I know we grew up different. Um, But what is the awakening right now like why is it different like apparently like i'm getting you know emails from my white white friends i'm getting texts like yo i'm sorry i didn't i didn't realize it was this bad or you know and and part of it i don't really know how to respond because someone's like it almost feels like i'm i'm like in a one long funeral (laughs) like people are like i'm sorry like i'm sorry for your loss basically type of thing and people are like you know, hit me up, apologizing, basically saying, "Hey, I don't know what you feel, but I know you feel something that's sad, and I can't feel it." But you know, I'm I'm trying to people, are, you know, having compassion on how I feel. I want them to feel what I feel, um, and I, you know, a lot of people do. But I am wondering, like, man, what is it? Why is it so different this time? You know, I'll like, be, I'll I'll give you some thoughts. A- that's such a good question. First off, I don't
1: remember the joke, but I was watching Michael Che uh comedy on Netflix last night stand up it was pretty funny and uh and he made a joke about like i'm so glad you guys are becoming aware of something that's been around for 400 years you know what i mean and and he right, made a joke right. about it but like to me i was like ooh man you're right like we're just becoming aware of something that's been around for 400 years here's some of my perspective covid has slowed the world down enough where we're actually able to see a lot beyond just ourselves. In my opinion right. and I see this so often in my life, to the detriment of my own marriage and my own family, life is going so fast and so quickly that we don't see beyond ourselves or beyond our house. You know what I mean it's so hard. So you see stuff like way back when when Trayvon Martin happened and there was uproar You know, it happened for a moment, and then life moved on. for For some people, not for his family, not for his friends, not for the African American community. And and this is just my opinion. I'm I'm just conjecturing here. But for me, life just moved on. Trayvon Martin was a thing in the news, and then it wasn't. For some reason, in this instance, we were all slowed down to the point, and then that eight minutes and forty six seconds of George Floyd just hit the hearts of people. And I know there's other factors. I know I feel like we're becoming more aware as a society, we're becoming more understanding. You know, while I've said in in, in this podcast a lot of where I want us to get, I also wanna give credit. I feel like we are moving forward in a lot of ways. Things are getting better in a lot of ways. I don't wanna take that away from us. But in my opinion, to answer your question as succinctly as I can, which I've already not done, (laughs) um, I would say COVID, allowed us to see george floyd the last eight minutes and 46 seconds of george floyd's life in a totally different way and and i would hope to believe that it shattered the hearts of a lot of people like me who weren't paying attention before that have you seen dave chapelle 846 on netflix i haven't a lot of people have uh, told me to watch it and i do personally like dave Chappelle. i know that he crosses the line for many people way too far and uh and I get that. I also think he just talks real and his jokes are highly inappropriate at times, but he also just talks real, but I, I will watch it at some point. I just, I just haven't gotten there yet. It's on it's my ever growing list of things I want to watch. And, you know, sometimes Shane, to be honest with you, and I, I this is something, I, this is something I feel bad about. Like, it's so easy for me to disconnect. Sometimes I'm like, yo, I'm just overwhelmed
0: and I got to disconnect and I know you do that too. Yeah. I, I think that's God. part of like the, yeah. the white privilege though is yeah. like, Yep, you can choose to dip in and out. Yep, well, like if you, all right, this is getting too uncomfortable. It's starting to, you know, it's starting to hurt. I'm starting to feel something I don't want to feel. You can just kind of dip in and dip out. I mean, anybody can even like being black, but you really can't. Like if you do try to dip out, you know, as a black person, so it's going to be to me self destructive. Like I've seen some of my people, you know family members or a lot of the older black dudes I grew up with, like they just went straight to drinking. And now looking back, you know, I'm like, Oh man, I f- so much of the racism had to do with that. Like mm-hmm. they were trying to escape, you know, well, and that makes sense because
1: we talked in a previous podcast of like trauma, you know, you've been really helping me understand racial trauma. And I said, Hey, it actually makes a lot of sense to me because being a pastor for a little bit about here I worked with a lot of Marines and they had a lot of war trauma so understanding trauma from something that you know I don't think was designed to be in our world war or racism I can understand having a lot of trauma from that And what do you do to cover up trauma alcohol is one cover-up drugs another cover-up so racism comes and you just want to cover it up I finally feel that I feel like you're so spot-on like and the simplest way to say it is Shane you can and you can't disconnect because you are black. That's yeah. different. That's my white privilege. I can disconnect. There's no can't for me. I can completely
0: disconnect from this. Yeah. So, so like you know, my wife is white. No, sh- shout out to my wife. She's she's been so much more aware of things now. Things that I've been that we've been talking about when we first met, when we got married. And now it's like a whole nother level for her. So she's, always, so she's always trying to talk about it. And I'm like, listen, like, I've already had these conversations. Like, she's like, why don't you want to talk about it? I'm like, I don't know. I already had these conversations or, you know, I've already thought about it or talked about it. So it's that these feelings are not new to me. It's more triggering. Um, but I'm grateful that, you know, pe- people like her and so many other people are, you know are able to feel something, I think that's the difference now. It's like I think on the surface, people everyone knows there's racism, you know, everyone feels sad about slavery, but unless you have an emotion connected to it, then it's not going to matter. It's just a thing it's just it's just subjective
1: well it's It's an understanding of of racism within systems, which is what we call systematic racism or systemic racism, you know police has been a hot button. You actually uh, wrote a fabulous uh, Facebook post back in the day, I'm gonna share it here real quick because I, I, I put it in my notes section, I read this notes section all the time. That wasn't
0: me man, don't don't put me but, with these old Facebook posts, I don't, I don't remember. Or, but you said focusing just on policing issues
1: is gonna distract from the systematic issues and continue to push police into a corner. And you said more, but I just loved that first sentence. I love the whole post, but I love that first sentence because it's like, listen, I personally believe, I don't know the percentage, 95, 98, 99% of police people uh, or military people, however you look at it. Um, you know, there's been stories coming about the military, racism in the military also. And, and I go, I don't think they're racist, but my problem is the system that allows the one or two or 5% to exist and operate within a system, you know, I read a recent report that, you know, of all the people fired from the Minneapolis Police Department uh, for reason, 50% of them were rehired within one year. So these people were fired for reason, and then they were rehired within one year. And I'm like, man, that's no wonder it continues. The system allows it to continue. So are all cops racist? No, the vast, vast majority aren't, but the system seems to allow for the small percentage to exist, and we know the phrase "one bad apple ruins the whole bunch."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, I want to. Uh, I know, keep it on topic because we talked about context yeah. and like how yeah. we grew up, and just the fact that so many people don't have context for racism because they don't have either black friends or friends who are different than them, or mm-hmm. white friends, or um, they don't have people in their life who are different. So, talk to me about that. Like what. What's that been like for you? Like, have you had, is it hard for you? Is it harder for you to understand? Are people you're around to understand because they don't have black friends? Like why don't they have black friends or is it, does it take a lot of effort just to have friends, you know, who are different than you?
1: I think, I think a hundred percent. I mean, you know, there's so many phrases out there. We talk about Sunday morning being one of the most segregated times in America. You know, I look at my, the neighborhoods I've lived in They're you know 95% Caucasian the school I went the schools I went to you know um, slowly throughout my life my life has gotten more diverse and I've learned but I think back chain to, to when you and I met and shout out to pastor Tracy cornerstone Christian Fellowship rest in peace pastor Bob love you um, And I think to these times, these people in my life who have been part of movements, shout out to Miss Cindy Outlaw, who I just spoke with last week. You know, these people who have led movements that have really um, impacted me as, you know, I was at a church that was, I think there was one African American family, you know, and I was there from like 97 to 2001. Then I left for a number of years to go be a crazy college kid and do everything I wasn't supposed to do. And then I came back, you know, uh, in like two thousand and five, two thousand and six, and slowly, over the a couple of years, you know those years, it had started while I was gone. But all of a sudden, the church started changing all the way to a point where you know it was like forty percent African American, and you were getting the influence of their culture and their thinking and their interpretation of scripture, and it benefited me so much. So from that benefit, I can see how much I lacked growing up in a world where I didn't have diversity. Then I met you, we started playing basketball at the church. All of a sudden, my world went from 95% white, 5% other to almost 50-50. If not on some days, some months, more minority, more African American than, than, than others. I think of two great friends, shout out to Sal Siddiqui and Jeff Iqbal once again, who are Pakistani. They were two people in my life throughout my college craziness that really helped me have a different perspective than my own, you know, from a different culture, a different way, a minority. I remember when September 11th happened and we were at Sal's 7-Eleven and like white people started yelling racist things at us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? People think this, like Sal and Jeff didn't do anything. They don't support 9-Eleven, but people just don't care. They see a color of a skin, a person. I mean, I remember... You know, right or wrong, my other white friend, and I won't mention his name, punched this guy in the face. But I remember when Jeff got called a dothead by some guy who never knew him. He'd only met him for 30 seconds, you know? And they called him a dothead. And I'm like, man, where, look, where is this coming from? And so I think context matters incredibly because I've benefited so much from my context changing. And I can see the ways I suffered from when my context was only one
0: thing. Yeah, so like if someone grows up and they don't even, they don't have any diversity, no black friends, and the only context they have is media and what they're being told in history, well, history uh, class, which, you know, there's really no black protagonist in the book. It's always, hey, slavery. And you're always, you're basically taught that this is, this is black people. Yeah, You know, just based off of slavery. Um, You're not really taught, like, these are heroes. Um, You get some sprinkled in, you know, you get Frederick Douglass, you get Harriet Tubman, but it's always in the context of slavery. It's Mm -hmm. never just in the context of, hey, this is a great person. Um, And I I
1: think we're seeing more of that. I mean, obviously, Barack Obama was president, you know. You're seeing CEOs, uh, you know, who are African-American and and I think we're making progress, but I'm so with you. Let me, I know we're going to wrap up here in a moment. Let me flip the script on you. I've talked a lot from my perspective and what I've seen and how I've benefited and how I've suffered from my context. Talk to me about your upbringing. Like where, where do you feel like you've benefited and suffered in this conversation from the way you grew up?
0: I think like in the context of, because I grew up in a, you know, a black household with my grandmother from the South um you know raised on jet magazines or ebony magazines um and just black culture but I was in a white all white schools like white town like old like one of those towns where um you know the business used to be still and now that's no longer there anymore so a lot of backwards thinking um and I've always been a little different so even as far as like i just wanted different experiences even as a kid. So I know a lot of my black friends, they didn't as much um as I did. I wanted to because my white friends were doing different things. Um and if you know we would be chilling on the corner smoking weed. I go to, you know, my white friend's house, we'd be in the basement smoking weed, doing the same thing a lot of times, but we just didn't (laughs) we just didn't have a basement. But they, you know, like more of my white friends had cars and like, yo, let's go to this creek and let's jump in off this rope. <laughs> I was like, alright, yeah, that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, but that's also how I uh, began to learn what racism was. I remember having a friend, couple friends who they would have to ask their mom or dad if, if I could come in the house. And I didn't really think of it as a kid. Um, basically, just because I was black, because their parents were Racist, so I didn't really think of it as a kid, but now that I got older, I was like, damn, like they really had to ask their mom and dad if I could come in. You know, looking back, that's part of the trauma the fact that why would I even subject myself to that? Um, But you're not thinking like that as a kid, so I was able to have um black friends, Puerto Rican friends, white friends, you know, and get along you know, and have great friendships as kids. But that's also where I begin to learn uh, racism. That's where I, I begin to learn, like, oh, wait, why, why are my white friends, like, why do they have black jokes? Or, like, you know, I forget what, uh, you know, you smoke a cigarette, you know, as a teenager, and they're like, oh, don't nigger lip it. And I'm like, wait, what? Wow. You know, things like that. You're like, wait, where did they get this from? Yeah. Um, so that's when you learn, like, oh, wait, I got to learn how to be, def- be defended or I have to guard myself, or I have to look for this thing, or if someone says this, is it because I'm black? Um, so you get to learn many, many sides and you basically get lessons in racism. Um, and I remember my grandmother, you know, I think a lot of older black people, they were just navigating racism and trying not to uh, make any noise, you know, cause there's a fear. Um, you know, if you say the wrong thing or you're, you know, and someone knows a cop and or someone is angry at you, you know, they have more authority and like free will to kind of do what they want. So you have to be more sub, uh, subject, subject yourself to just this idea of whiteness. Um, so you learn a lot of this stuff growing up man, and it gets taught and you learn how to navigate it. And some of my friends navigate it differently. Um, some of my friends, they can't, they don't want to. So they don't want anything to do with white culture, so they avoid it. Um, so they could they look they may look at you, me, or other people as like, oh, you know, because I navigated differently. Um, they can look at you different. So there's a lot of discrepancies, um, but the context. If you don't, just to uh, wrap up my thought, if you yes. don't have any context for the other, at all. You're just going to respond based off of what you've seen in books, what, what's what been passed down. And that's why I love this generation now that's protesting. You see a lot of white kids because they're the first generation that I've seen that's willing to challenge their parents. Mm-hmm. Anyone like if I talk to 50 year olds. When they came to white being white. You know, at least from what I've seen, what I've gathered, they just sort of like, oh, this has kind of always been around type of thing. This is just how it is. This generation is more willing to challenge and say, you know, why do you all think like that? Like that type of thinking is old.
1: Well, and I would say I think my thinking is you're right when it comes to like challenging them on race. I think there was challenge before, you know, every generation's, you know, getting a little bit more open about things or understanding about things. But I'm sure people, you know, challenge their parents about the Vietnam War. You know, there was huge protests over the Vietnam War. And, you know, I'm sure there was parents saying, you should be going to war. And other people saying, no, I'm going to burn my draft card. You know what I mean? And like, there's challenge. But I I think I agree with you in terms of like, you know, young, uh, younger, you know, the millennial and the generations below saying, hey, enough is enough when it comes to racism. But so I'm with you on that 100%. You just made me realize something so big. Context helps us see different as good rather than different as bad. So much of my history, and I'll admit this, so much of my history, and I think so much of the history of our country and our world that I understand, whether we're talking about America or the whole world, has seen different as bad. You know, here's who I am, I am the best, my context is the best, the way I'm doing it is the best, right, correct, everything like that and though anything different than this is wrong and that obviously plays to color of skin religious beliefs so many things but when you have context you begin to see the positive of difference you know i think my job takes me around the world right now and i get excited to go live in a different context for a week because i'm going to learn and i'm going to grow i'm going to become more balanced and loving as a person so thank you for that it was what you said there it was really really good i'll be honest Breaks my heart in a lot of ways. It makes me want to say, sorry that you suffered for the color of your skin. Uh, sorry that you still suffer for the color of your skin. I don't think that's right. And I don't, I think the vast majority of America doesn't think that's right. I hope that we can change the systems that still allow
0: for that to happen. Yeah, I agree, man, uh, you, you wrapping up.
1: I don't know, I think that's my closing thought. What's yours?
0: Closing thought is it's going to take, um, more intention, more purpose. Um, if you, if you live a life where you are judgmental or criticizing, I think black people in people's response to racism, it's probably cause you, because you don't have a context. You mm-hmm. don't have people in your life who are different. You don't have a heart that says, Hey, I'm willing to listen. I'm ready to serve. Um, you know, I'm willing to explore without being critical. So the people who who you know get on my nerves, who are just criticizing, whether it's the way people protest, that when I look at their life, I'm like, listen, you you you're not you're not diverse. But mm. so you're sitting back judging you, on your couch. You've never had to experience anything. What would you do if you if you felt this for? 400 years and now America is finally at a point of just listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, it took us this long now to just to, just to say, okay, yeah, yeah. We're ready to listen now. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's it. Uh, but I, I agree. There are a lot of changes to be, to, to be positive. Um, there, there is a lot of change being happened now. So I Also think there's a lot of growth and there is, uh, it, it does bring me hope that people are, people do want to listen and and more and more people are saying this isn't right. Um, this isn't okay. Um, and that that's what we need to uh, focus on. You know, sometimes I do get angry, do get depressed, overwhelmed. Um, just the emotions of it all can just are traumatizing, but you know, willing to, to walk with them. And I know a lot of other people are too. So until next time, we'll be talking, man. And, uh, I like the title change and, uh, let's keep, uh, let's keep doing it. Love you, brother. All right. You too, man.